This week on Moms Moving On. Kids are going to ask you if daddy will come back to life or from wherever they've gone post-divorce. But I think what I've learned in that sort of being really simple mode is I think they're kind of asking, is everything going to be okay? Because at the end of the day, the instinct for a child to want their family back together in whatever shape, form, or fashion is a biological need to feel safe. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of ways, it's like I've had to really try to read between the lines and this idea that, am I going to be okay? And, And the one thing that I've realized by saying, I'm not okay sometimes, but that's okay. Life moves on, so why shouldn't we? This is Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, your host of Moms Moving On, navigating divorce, co-parenting, single motherhood, and moving on. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another Moms Moving On. I am so excited for today's guest. I have been a longtime follower of hers. I have been obsessed with her since God knows when because she has every girl's dream job. But more than that, she recently went through something so life-changing that it made me look at her in a different way. And, And it was amazing to me to see one of my TV idols suffering, struggling, and then adjusting to life as a single mom. We have Bobby Thomas on today. Bobby Thomas is an American fashion journalist. She's a style editor for NBC's Today Show. She's been considered a beauty and fashion expert for over a decade. She's all over TV. She's on E, the Style Networks, Fashion Police, The View, The Wendy Williams Show. And also, as of late, she's the new Russell Stover Joy Bites ambassador. So I can't wait to hear about that because that sounds like a delicious job to do. <laughs> yeah. and, and more than anything, she's Miles' mom. Bobby, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I like all of that could be pushed aside besides the fact that I'm a professional girlfriend. That's like my favorite title. You know, and I always introduce myself as a girl gang enthusiast. So mm-hmm. this this is good. We have like some synergy here. You know, you have so many impressive facets to your career. You have a book. You, you know, you're a recognizable face. My followers went crazy when I said you were coming on the podcast. But I think your most impressive feat to date is going through what you're going through right now and trying to mom at the same time. Yeah. I mean, it's surreal hearing that because I'm just me. And I think that I feel pretty grateful to, in some ways, have a platform that really opens up our situation, like so much support. Um, In some ways, I remember just feeling horribly guilty. Even starting back when I talked about IVF, Miles is six today. I can't believe that. So this was probably seven years ago where the topic wasn't um, as popular. But it's so funny because, you know, in some ways I remember thinking we work so hard at, you know, putting into the world what we love to do with the hope of being successful at that. And so being able to find a home at today and to share all kinds of things with women when it came to my physical appearance and seeing comments on Facebook and watching the community get upset if somebody noticed that I had gained weight or I didn't look a certain way, 
my reaction was one that I think the girls in my office were taken back by. And I thought, oh my gosh, somebody's taking notice. Like <laughs> I, I spent two hours putting on hair and makeup. And so in some ways I was like, oh, I know I don't look so great right now. I'm very bloated. And, but at the same time, thank you. Thank you for seeing me. And I really felt like it was important to, again, for all of us women, just Hey, why no more whispers? Like, why am I whispering about the fact that I wish it was a baby in my stomach? And it's probably a few burritos and hormones. Um, <laughs> but here I was thinking, you know, the sort of the culture we're in where it's like clap back or tell that person not to comment. It's like that's kind of an odd thing to do when I'm out there hoping to connect. And so I felt really grateful to be supported, especially by Kathy Lee and Hoda at the time who said, mm -hmm. say whatever you want. And I was able to really reach out and share what I was going through, which made it a lot easier to carry. It's 10 times harder for women who are going to their jobs every day who can't discuss that. Yes, And I give them so much more respect. At least I was able to share what I was going through and that opened up the floodgates of support. So in some way, I was hoping that by doing that, it would give, you know, I would get more information, but I, I would also be able to share that and make other people feel less alone because ironically, whether it was the IVF experience or recently when I shared that I lost my husband, even in the midst of all of the support, you still feel so alone sometimes. So I can't imagine not having that platform and not being told that this is happening and I just, that's my heart. It like bleeds. All I wish I could do is to get to your house and give you a hug. And my favorite thing to do in the morning would be to just, you know, stream something, chill, get nachos, ice cream, sit on a yeah. couch and cry about all the crap that we haven't figured out yet. And I, I don't know how I've made a living <laughs> at being able to spend so much time with other women. And one of the perks is being able to partner with companies like Russell Stover, who identify the need for joy. It's a chocolate company. We are already obsessed with chocolate, most of us. And we say no all the time to ourselves. We say no constantly all day. We put everybody else in our calendar before we put ourselves. Dropping off the kids. Somebody else needs a meeting from me. It's so funny. I look at my calendar and where am I? And right. the one thing I loved about the opportunity to partner with them was to really talk about how necessary, especially right now in my life, it is to make joy a priority and to put yourself on the list and say yes to you, which seems so small and trivial, but really think about it. When's the last time you said yes? Yes, I'm going to eat the chocolate. Yes, I'm going to go ahead and not do the laundry and watch the last three episodes of the Netflix show. Like, when do you do that? I feel right. like we're always, and if you do it, you feel guilty. You well, know, I, I think now having experienced the loss of your husband and now having been put in a situation where you, you have to be a parent, but you have to, you have to feel the feelings and, and grieve and go through the ugly of it to come out of the other side, there is that much more importance of joy, like finding it yeah. in the little things. And, you know, I, 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 
I watch, I watch everything you do, but something you said in one of your interviews, I think it was with Hoda, you said something about just like the, the beauty of the simplicity of like living in the everyday moment when, when your husband was regaining his strength after his stroke. And, you know, for you, it wasn't about like some of the things we take for granted on the day to day. It was just like the little beautiful moments of life in that day and what you could achieve. And I think you're living testament to working your ass off to finding the joy in every day. Look, I am not special. And just because this happened and, you know, you're interested in talking to me, it is really crazy how situations will force you to simplify. And I still have the same concerns that a lot of other moms have. Am I doing a good job? You know, will... I be able to protect him? Will he respect me? Um, but more importantly, like I still have to work and provide. Mm-hmm. And can you imagine like in a world where I've struggled a lot with what I see around me and, and where our sort of platform in terms of media has evolved to, it was so critical for me to define these next steps in a way that I could wake up and have purpose. And it's not me sitting here trying to sell you chocolate. It is imperative that we as a community of women support initiatives that really do look to better our lives. Mm -hmm. And I think we have become machines on a treadmill trying to do everything, look perfect, sound perfect, be the perfect friend, be the perfect mom, whether or not you still have your husband or not. I mean, and for me, unfortunately, like I have had a gaping hole that's just really shined a spotlight on making sure that I make every minute matter. And so whether it's the partnerships I choose or the, or the discussions I want to have these days, life is too short. And there's so much we can make of it, especially when we can connect and choose better for ourselves. Like, yes, I'd love for you to go check out Joy Bites, but I'm really communicating as much as I can. (laughs) If I could jump through the camera that my true goal today is to help inspire you to say, you know what, this week, what have I done for myself? Like, and not in that cheesy way, but like true happiness. Is it that you pulled over when you could Turn on your favorite song, get out of the car and just sit in a park for five minutes. I mean, I don't know. I did that one time because I was crying so hard and I was worried that I couldn't drive safely. But I remember after I pulled over and I got out of the car, I thought, why don't I do this more often? I actually found myself listening to the birds and noticing flowers on a corner that I drove by a hundred times before. And I really just, I felt so proud of myself because it wasn't as important for me to rush to the next appointment and whatever I needed a minute. Mm -hmm. And it's really, in some ways I feel sometimes like, is this too much to share? Like when I talk about like how vulnerable I feel and scared about, you know, so much doing it alone, but I can truly say that like, it's probably 10 times more scary to think that if I don't reach out and say something and tell other women that I'd be doing it alone and I'd be trying to pretend on top of that, which seems like an even heavier, you know, anchor to carry that I'm fine. But I, I think that's, that's exactly it for women though. Like 
we're expected to get through things with a smile on our face and be nurturers and be all of these things to everybody without focusing inward. Because God forbid we focus inward, we're selfish, we're this and that. Mm-hmm. But I have always said, and I still maintain maintain that the best time to get selfish is when you're adjusting to single motherhood. Because if you don't carve that time out for yourself, regardless mm-hmm. of what put you in that single mom position that you may or may not have expected to be in, you will drown if you're not taking those five minutes to appreciate the flowers or shove a handful of joy bites in your mouth or, you know, scream into a pillow, whatever it is. That's exactly the stuff that people want to make you feel guilty for, but you really have to block out that noise. So I guess my question is, you know, how do you find you've become more strong in your conviction to take care of yourself during this process that you're going through? You know, communication, starting with my son. I think that we in our minds want to protect them from everything and shelter them. But I have found it's probably a basic parenting tip, but you could be on your phone and it's like, mom, mom, mom. And, you know, they don't know. And you're not really acknowledging that they are just frustrated. They don't have your attention, but I have started to become better at communicating what is happening and giving honestly, like, him the credit to understand that I, we make a joke and he's like octopus mommy <laughs> and not for the one we used to, but I'm like, do I have eight arms? I don't have eight arms. And I make a joke of it. I'm like, I can really only hold things with two hands. And I physically would hold things and he would start to laugh. And I'm like, okay. So in this hand, I am texting the swim coach that we are going to be there today. And I need to find out what we have to bring. So even though it's probably an extra layer or step it has greatly improved the relationship when I am trying to be mom and dad and do both things. I have to do that stuff. And I've found that one secret is that I involve Miles and I explain, I try to keep it simple, but that has been one thing that's worked for me is just communicating, whether it's to my son or to my friends when they invite me somewhere instead of saying, oh, I can't make it. It's like, you know, it's been really tough. I've been juggling a couple of things today and I miss you guys. And if you're okay with me coming in for a glass of wine after dinner, I'd like to get an hour to myself mm-hmm. and everybody understands rather right. than they think you're not interested in being invited. And I'll also email back sometimes and say, it makes me feel so good that you included me and I would love more than anything to go, but you know, I really need to spend time with miles. So communication can make things a lot easier. And it you you might in your mind think you're communicating to somebody or you're embarrassed to tell them that you are feeling insecure or that for look, for a lot of women, it's like, I just put on six pairs of jeans and I feel disgusting and I can't walk out the door <laughs> because I now didn't do my makeup and I'm late or... You know, I bought the bag last week and I don't think I can swing dinner. Like, whatever it is, if they're your friends, like, just kind of be authentic. And that's, that's yeah, really that's important. It's owning it. It's owning the fact that, like, whatever space you're in in your life, you're there and you can mm-hmm. only do so much. And, you know, I remember I was the person who said yes to every plan, the parties, the girls' nights, like, someone needed help with something, I was there. I started to say no. And I had a really hard time with that because I'm such a people pleaser. And then I was like, you know what? I took a step outside of myself. And of course, with a lot of therapy, I was like, I only, for me, I only 
now have my daughter 50% of the time because of my divorce. Like I'm not jeopardizing that time for anybody. So I love you and happy birthday, but I can't be there. I have Bella. And every time I say no, I still feel that like little ping of like, am I a bad friend? And I'm, I look at and my daughter look- and I- you're right. And some people are going to say, you don't have to explain yourself and maybe like whatever works for you, but I agree. And you're valuing what matters to you. I just have found myself surprised that prior to being a single mom, when I was a caretaker and it was really challenging with Michael and I was like spending all day juggling his needs and then my son's needs. And then my friends were just like, if you don't take time for you and blah, 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 and all of them cancel plans to make dinner for me. And here I am thinking, wow, my girlfriends who are all busy and in their own right juggling things were pissed off because I couldn't make it out that Saturday night. And when I communicated, funny enough, they all showed up in my door with takeout. And it was one of my favorite nights. And I think it's going to be hard and people in the moment may not hear your needs, but I think that we really need to be kind and to try as much as we need to look out for ourselves. It's, it's a village and it doesn't go unnoticed when you extend that kindness to your friends, it boomerangs back tenfold because the girlfriend that's like, no, she told, I remember when I was in that position. And, you know, I think that's the most important. We sometimes, I feel like when you're upset or insecure, we lash out or we just sort of like feel bad about ourselves and try to make up some excuse. I just think being vulnerable might be scary, but at the end of the day, it's so much easier than pretending to be Mm -hmm. something you're not. Absolutely. Well, speaking of pretending, one of the things that I have focused on um, in part of my book and what I talk to women about all the time in my coaching practice is this You know, children are bittersweet because if you don't have kids, right, and you're going through something like you just went through or a painful divorce or you found out your husband's cheating on you, you don't want to get out of bed in the morning. You want to bury yourself in your pain and just sit there and stare at the ceiling and question life. But when you have a little one, like I I wrote in my book, a a chapter where I'm sitting there like, fuck, in my bed. And all of a sudden it's like, mommy, I made pee-pee, you know, and and then I have to like run because there's a pee-pee accident in the bed. The bittersweet thing about all of this is like, you want to process your grief because that's important, but you got to like put your game face on and still be mom. So what is it in the morning that motivates you? Because I know morning is really hard for a lot of women who are going through something traumatic. You wake up with the sense of, oh my God, this really happens. How do you like arm yourself and like get ready for the day and get through that, that moment? I mean, please don't try to reach through and strangle me because it's going to sound like a cliche, but you have to shift your focus. And for me, I have had to look at miles, you know, as a gift, it's gratitude. It's like, it is so hard. There are definitely moments where I question everything, but at six, I'm still wiping his tush. So it's like, and he, he does the same where he whispers and he, in front of everyone. And it's like a zoom call with a state attorneys and like me just like womp womp. And it's like, mommy, I need to poop. (laughs) Like (laughs) in some ways it's the most beautiful reality check because as hard as it is to motivate, I personally feel so grateful that, that, that motivator is walking Mm -hmm. and talking and breathing around me. And like, I get up and I do it. I don't think I would have gotten out of bed at all. I didn't, there were moments I didn't want to be here. 
you know, I've sort of done so much and I definitely think about what else is left. And he is the reason. So to like have him structuring my day right now and with my in-laws for the summer and I get up every day with him at six and I get him ready and make him breakfast and put his lunch together and drive him to camp. Um, sometimes I do an HSN hour before (laughs) and then I drive him to camp and then I do a podcast with you and I'll pick him up. And even on his birthday, like today, he's like, mommy. And we talk about it. I communicate to him. It's your birthday. And I do have to work. But he'll tell you, birthday is here, mm-hmm. HSN is here, mm-hmm. but remember, and um, I think he feels good because he's included and I've explained everything, but back to your question, he is my light. And I think as parents, it is this like, okay, you're going to be, you know, you're lined up and everybody's ready for the challenge. But for the moms, it's like, hold on, let me give you anchors for your neck. You're going to have one heel and, you know, we're blindfolding you. And in some ways you just have to look at the beauty that it is and it's making you stronger. And it's the gift you've been given in some crazy universe. It's hard to explain, but anyone who's a mom gets it. And I don't know. It's like, I don't have time to be you know, this is so strange because I don't, this is not meant to judge anybody that's depressed because I know more than most what that feels like. I remember years and years ago watching an old Oprah where she spoke to Kirk Douglas and he had had a stroke and he had aphasia, his speech impediment. And he talked about depression being selfish. And I, it was right after 9-11. And I remember thinking, hmm, listening to him, There's really no cure for depression, except he found that the only thing that helped him snap out of it was doing something for someone else that had, that was less like in some way more challenged than you. And he's like, because depression can be really selfish. Like, woe is me. And it had never occurred to me. And I was, I had got my master's in psychology. I was a marriage family and child therapist. And I thought, Oh my God. Like, it's so true. It's like, think about how you can get out of your own head is when you help someone else and you're doing something for someone else that makes you feel good. You're not worried about what you don't have. You're not worried about what isn't working or how lonely you are. You're there focused on somebody else's needs. And so our children are that all the time, that presence of doing something for somebody else and they're saving us yes. in many ways from that self-focus. And granted, that's why we're here talking, saying you need to get it on the calendar and you need to take care of yourself. But instead of focusing on how are you going to do it and it's not going to happen, I just feel like we have to trust. We have to trust the process. And one of the things, again, this whole mantra in my head lately is yes. Say yes to help. Say yes to you. And when somebody asks you if something's wrong, say yes, Mm -hmm. because I just think that we often try to hide it and don't ask for help. And you'll be surprised how many people want to help you. And, and living in your truth impacts the lives around you in such beautiful ways. Even if it's, I've realized because I tend to put it all out there too, even if it's not someone who's going through divorce or someone who is, you know, widowed in an untimely way, 
it's somebody saying, you know what, you being so authentically you is so inspiring to me to live my life better or more whole or more fully or more present. And that's the greatest gift we can give. But in terms of being open, we have to be open and honest with our kids too. Before we started recording, I mentioned to you how it's clear that Miles is empathetic and intuitive to his core. And his, his, his sole focus right now is how can me and mommy be happy? How can I take care of mommy? And, and that's beautiful. And in no way do I think that's putting pressure on our kids because our children are so biologically connected to us that they want us to feel happy. But I imagine mm-hmm. he has his own moments of grief. And I'm just wondering, you know, for any moms who are listening, who don't know how to speak to their children about what it is that they're dealing with, or who think maybe sweeping feelings under the rug might be the better way to go. What would you say to that mom? I would love to share what information I was able to come across because I do feel like I've been lucky to have some really amazing people um, help. And I think that's what we need to do is pass it on. I was surprised um, by the advice I was first given. It was be very honest in the most succinct way. So always tell the truth in a very simple fashion to Miles. And so when Michael died, he had been in the hospital for five weeks and Miles knew he was in the hospital. And I had to use the word that daddy died because it's very interesting how we as a society will say, you know, he's not with us or, you know, heaven. And I think we forget that kids are thirsty to understand because Mm -hmm. it's, it, the understanding helps them put their feelings a little bit to rest. And it was very helpful for me to get not only the advice, but the permission to be honest, which takes a big burden off. And so I very simply was given a very heartbreaking sentence, but daddy's body stopped working. And that was for his age at five concrete for him to understand that, okay, like you, I went through breathing with him and, you know, your lungs work and your body works because in some ways, you know, they're going to get lots of different messages on different levels of spirituality. And then there's the science of what happened. And so to be able to explain that daddy's body stopped working was very helpful for him to then be able to also hold concretely that he's still with us. The idea of daddy, the memory of daddy, even though his body is not working, he's still your daddy. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was something that really helped me initially for anyone that's gone through that. And if it's not losing your partner because of illness or death, um, if it's divorce, I can imagine there might be some different version of that where you can be as honest as possible. Because what I've learned is that we're looking to be the best role models we can be for our children. So we're teaching them essentially how to grieve and how to feel. And if we put on a happy face, oh, daddy died, but everything's fine. (laughs) That's a little creepy. Right. And it helped, it gave me permission to realize that I'm doing a good thing by being a healthy example of somebody who is very sad. And sometimes when I can't control crying, even in a public place and in an elevator, Miles asked me very quickly, is that, are those happy tears or are they sad tears? 
And sometimes he has to, he's trying to learn, oh, those were happy tears because we were laughing about a song, but sometimes I'll say they're sad tears. I miss daddy. And it makes him feel okay to miss daddy too, if he feels differently. But funny enough, we talk a lot about how when you miss daddy, you may feel it as anger or frustration because you wish he was here. Mm -hmm. And mommy sometimes feels it because I cry, but sometimes I get frustrated and wish he was here too. And I think the, the sort of beauty of honesty is it is pretty simple. So it's not like you have to think about being so simple. If you just cut to the sort of honesty of feelings, I think it's pretty healthy in my experience to open that door for your children. I don't know about kids younger than five because I haven't experienced that. Mm -hmm. So if you have a child that's three and may not have those developmental abilities, you should definitely like talk or look up something because I know that not everybody can afford help. And I am so cognizant of how expensive it can be to get really good help. It's so sad, isn't it? Well, and it's why I want to say that because you might think because I'm sitting here talking to you or I've done this or that, like finances are challenging for everybody. I first called um, somebody at the school that I trusted. That was the person I called from the hospital. They knew Miles. They understood his personality. They were going to be, you know, there to comfort him. That's always the the biggest piece of advice I give is to talk to your school counselor. So many schools have great, if they don't have somebody in-house, they will quickly in a situation like that, try to help you. Even if you're don't, I think so many moms are embarrassed if it's not working out, even if you're not divorced yet, but you're having a hard time at home, consider going to the school and asking for an appointment with the counselor and sharing, you know, I, I have a lot of feelings about what's happening at home. And you're sharing it from the perspective of number one, if you notice anything, could you let me know if you see behavior in the classroom that's changing? Um, because they can be your best ally to like co-parent and make sure at school that totally. they can keep an eye on how they're feeling. They can also give you some really good advice because odds are you're not the first parent that's gone through a challenging marriage that, you know, they're invested not just in your child, but what extends around your child. They're invested in in the family because you're part of that community at school even public schools, I urge you to try to find somebody that makes you feel heard and seen. If it's a te- it doesn't have to be the counselor. If it's a teacher, if it's another parent, you know, I just think that we try to do everything alone sometimes and we Google in the middle of the night and, you know, it's okay to ask. So that for me was very helpful to get permission to be honest because I don't know any other way to be. And to really see myself as somebody who's human, because that ultimately is the example my son right. will grow up with. Right. And I think that part of the, the tip I said earlier about just communicating and trying to be mindful of sharing, because when you are a single parent, you will have less time. And so I know people say to you, but just have quality time. <laughs> That's like hard. <laughs> That's really hard. So I think... I really share with Miles, I have bad days. I'm not perfect, but I do share with him even after and say, you know, I wish I would have been able to tell you that I was trying to send a few emails out for work because I wanted to watch the movie with you later. And so I'm sorry, you're frustrated that I didn't play with you, but I was really trying to carve out time. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people say, you explain too much to him, but 
that's what works for me. You know, what's so funny, you know? Bobby? My mom is always like, why are you so open with her? She doesn't need to know all of these things. <laughs> and I, and I look at her and my mom's my best friend, but I'm like, you know, when you guys, my parents got divorced when I was young and my mom comes from a culture. And I guess it was also that generation where it was like, oh, you're fine. Everything's fine. We're good. Everything's great. Meanwhile, like my parents' divorce was like front page news. And I look at her and I'm like, mom, I'm dealing with stuff with Bella today so that it doesn't creep up on her in therapy in 30 years like it has for me. You know, I think it's so important that we realize we talk about kids being resilient and adaptable and strong. They have to, they they don't just step into resilience. You have to be able to give them the tools to become resilient. And that comes with accepting their vulnerability and being honest. And back to your point about how to speak to kids at that age, in any capacity, you have to be very concrete. Like there is no gray area when you're talking about death or divorce with kids. There just isn't like you, we want to say, oh, he's in a better place. Okay. But like, no, no he's not. Cause he's not here. Or, you know, a lot of kids will ask, are you and daddy going to get back together? And, and naturally as moms, we want to say, well, we never know what the future holds. No, the answer is no, we're not getting back together or no, daddy's not coming back as much as that sucks to say that will save your kids so much time and energy later on and money and therapy, because it just solidifies what they need to know. Like you said, kids are, they want to understand. And so I love how you handle things with Miles. I think it's one of the most impressive things about you, Bobby. Uh, I don't know. We could be talking 20 years from now where our kids are like, they shared too much. Probably. <laughs> um, <but laughs> we're all messing one, up our kids. One thing that kept coming to mind as you were just sharing that last moment is kids are going to ask you if daddy will come back to life or from wherever they've gone post-divorce. But I think what I've learned in that sort of being really simple mode is I think they're kind of asking, is everything going to be okay? Because at the end of the day, the instinct for a child to want their family back together in whatever shape, form, or fashion is a biological need to feel safe. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of ways, it's like I've had to really try to read between the lines and this idea that am I going to be okay? And, and the one thing that I've realized by saying I'm not okay sometimes, but that's okay. That was the big secret for me. There was actually a book that I came across about grief. Um, it's okay not to be okay. Wow. It was like having 50 margaritas at once. It was <laughs> like, oh my God, it's okay not to be okay. <laughs> and then I thought kind of, Eureka when it came to Miles, because really with all the therapy and the advice and the people who love you, he really just wants to know if it's going to be okay. And sometimes when I was not, I looked at him and said, mommy is sad right now. And I don't look like I'm okay. And that's okay because it's normal to not be okay. Sometimes we're not okay, but we are safe. You will always be cared for. And he would ask me, mommy, are you going to die? Oy. And what do you say to a kid who's lost another parent? Do you say no? And I say, I don't have, I'm, you know, the first thing I said is that's a hard question to answer Miles, You know, I'm not sick and my body is very strong and I plan to love you as long as I possibly can. But if mommy was to be, if mommy, was to die, you have a lot of people that love you. And we would list and name all the people around him that love him. And he would say, I'm pretty lucky. 
but I'm really scared that you might die. And I tell him that's okay. It's okay to be scared about that. You're it's okay to feel that way. I would be afraid too, if I just lost somebody and, you know, obviously I don't have all of these comments, like in one sitting with him, this is broken up over different organic moments, but it's interesting because he said to me late one night, um, you know, he was asking me before bed, what is this? And I thought he's going to ask me about a toy. And he said this life. And it's really wild because I don't think we give our kids credit for what they're actually trying to think about. And at five, he was like, well, I just wish we could all be in heaven. And he was really trying to understand like, well, if daddy's not here, his body stopped working. Like, well, why do we all need bodies? Why can't we just all be together? And again, it's that biological need to feel comforted and safe. And I still want that. (laughs) I still want somebody to tell me it's going to be okay. I am scared to death. I am, as you can tell, just by like what I've opted to do for my career. I love people. I I want connection. I want to feel close to other people. I am sad, very sad and lonely. Um, I loved Michael. He was my best friend. And so it's such a shitty feeling to miss him so desperately, but to also just be lonely and feel guilty about wanting to connect. And it's not like I want him replaced, but to want companionship and friendship and things around me, I'm struggling right now. And I also want advice, like anybody watching, please reach out to me. I mean, it's sometimes people think because, you know, you have a public platform, I am desperate to (laughs) connect with other women who may have experienced similar things because I would love a look down the road or someone to call at night because there are times where you, you can't help but be human and not know. So I'm just looking to figure it out like everyone else. And the world is a scary place right now. So I think also the other thing I would want to share that I need to be reminded of is that whether you're going through a divorce or a death, this is a highly unusual time to be experiencing that because everything else is upside down. It's not like you're going through that and there isn't a pandemic and the job market is pretty solid and like you're struggling with this unique situation on top of an already pretty extreme sort of set of life circumstances that have stressed all of us out. So our resources are just worn out and that makes it really hard to go through that. Yeah. Well, something you said that I can't not share because it was so powerful to me and I've, I've experienced a lot of loss in my own ways. And something you said that helps put so much in perspective is that on the other side of grief, there is love. And I think it was in your Hoda interview where she said, like, how lucky that you were able to experience this kind of grief because you experienced a love that some may never feel in their lifetimes. So for anybody listening, I urge you to remind yourself that on the other side of this pain is the capacity to love and to have been loved and to to be love. And so if there is any bright side to grief, it's that. And you've so eloquently said that in, in your Hoda interview. I think this, the same, you know, grief, like you said, over divorce or death, there's a, there's a yang yang to life and joy is a choice. I really believe that's the one unique aspect about joy. I think it's a choice and I think we have to choose it and we have to seek it out and we have to schedule it 
Um, and we have to work at it. I don't think joy just spontaneously occurs. I think there are organic moments of it when you've positioned yourself to be open to that in life. And I think, unfortunately, it's far easier to just focus on what you don't have because it's often bumping up against you. But I really, really, really hope that if there's anything from the very personal stuff I'm putting out there that it's not perceived as like, oh gosh, you know, womp womp. It's it's really put with intention of people understanding that you can shift to what you have. Because before Michael died, even what I learned through, you know, the, the four years prior of him going through so many challenges is to really focus on what you do have. And like, that brings you through so much instead of, I don't have a partner, but I do have opportunity and the world is my oyster. And if you're going through a divorce, it may be really hard and you might not be trusting or for a number of other reasons, you can't see that there's a window open because the doors feel shut and suffocating. But wow, you have the opportunity to date billions of people and (laughs) it may not be something you want to do right now, but there's always the like yin to the yang. Right. So yes, I miss Michael every single day and there's nothing great about it. There's no silver lining. It sucks. And I tell Miles all the time, it sucks that your dad and his body stopped working. There's nothing good about that. I don't want people trying to tell him that this is some good thing. Right. But it doesn't mean that he can't have relationships with other male figures. His mm-hmm. grandfather and him are so close and I'm seeing the beauty in these unique things that might not have existed. I mean, Michael's dad is so incredible and to, it's hard not to cry when you think about the bond that I'm seeing him develop, not only with his grandfather, but with this group of best friends Michael had. And like to see these guys really like evolve to another level of being amazing men. So I choose to focus on all of those amazing moments and find the joy in that. And I, you know, will need a reminder myself of what I'm telling you all right now. So definitely say, Hey, do you remember (laughs) you said that? (laughs) Well, we play this Um, episode every day. Yeah. So, and I'm sorry, I'm rambling because I don't have any stock questions for you or prepared. And I I, feel like it's okay. I appreciate, I think your vulnerability again is shining through and your authenticity. And I think that that is what's most applauded and appreciated on this podcast. And whether you know it or not, you're helping so many women through so many things. And what you're doing for your son is just, there are no words. Hey guys, Michelle here with a word from one of our sponsors. The Soberlink system is designed to make parenting time safer with real-time remote alcohol monitoring. Soberlink uniquely combines a breathalyzer with wireless connectivity and is the only system that includes facial recognition, tamper detection, and advanced reporting. Parents can submit a test anytime, anywhere, thanks to Soberlink's wireless technology, which delivers test results by text message or email to the concerned parties. Simplify co-parenting arrangements by using the system that provides transparency and proof of sobriety throughout the day. Flexible schedules combined with real-time delivery results make Soberlink the experts in remote alcohol monitoring technology. For a limited time, get $50 off your device by emailing info at Soberlink.com and mentioning Moms Moving On. Drive safe. 
Wait, 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 wait. Before we do anything, I have to ask, have you not joined the Moms Moving On membership community yet? This is the place I created for anybody looking for the benefits of coaching without having to commit to a high coaching fee. I've rounded up my go-to experts to put together curated content just for you, including free monthly webinars with me, self-confidence boosters, co-parenting tips and strategies, heartbreak advice, divorce anxiety relief, legal advice from top U.S. attorneys and mediators, financial advice, ebooks to help you on your journey, journal prompts and worksheets, discounts for all my favorite brands. The list goes on and on and on. And all of this at only $9.99 a month. Yep, you heard that right. $9.99 a month to be connected to women all over the world who are going through exactly what you're going through and to connect with me. Go to momsmovingon.com slash become a member and join us today. So let's end with a little bit of joy. Where are we going to, how are we finding these joy bites? Are they out yet? They are out. Um, I do believe there's a rumor that I was told they were in grocery (laughs) grocery stores. Um, Yeah, because I actually knew about these for a while before they were launched. And I even saw them before the packaging. And it was one of those like my friends were like, "Okay," I'm like, you can't eat the whole bar. I need it for a photo. (laughs) Um, I will say they are delicious. And um, you can go to russellstover.com slash joy bites to get information about where they are. But just sort of selfishly, I want to tell you the thing that's really cool about them is that they're no, it's the first collection of no sugar added chocolate bars um, that are filled. You had me at no sugar. So first, well, no sugar added, right. Is a big thing for, for many people, especially the keto friendly set. Um, but what I love is I love caramel filled chocolate, especially when they're sea salt. So to have these bars that have filling is pretty special um, because I know that there's slim pickings in that sense out there, but they're also bars you can feel really good about because they're made um, with sustainable um, and other efforts in mind, like fair trade cocoa and from plant-based stevia. So all of the things you'd probably ask or want, I mean, that's something you can look into. I love that the packaging is bright and happy. I do love the idea that they're breakable bites. So you can say yes to that moment. And for me, like my sister-in-law here has a salad crew. They get together every um, Saturday, Sunday. And I was like, yeah, you need to just like, she's like, okay, I'm buying in bulk for the salad crew. And she <laughs> sent, she sent them out with like little note cards and she's like, let's schedule joy. And it was like I the sweetest thing that. because all of her girlfriends now have decided that they're taking turns with buying the joy bites. And when they get the chocolate bar in the mail, it's like the, it's like the secret key of like, okay, it's time we, right. we need to schedule our joy. And so I just think like support a company who's looking out for you, get together with your girlfriends, use it as an excuse or a reminder. I think there's something so magical about female friendship and connection and I am, if you see me anywhere on a street, you know, I know COVID's out there. I'm always down for a hug or to help, (laughs) um, anything. Um, so please know that we're only, you know, we're only as good as we all are together. And so I really feel lucky to be alive in a time where women are really getting that. And, and most women like yourself are connecting and helping. Well, thank you so much for being open to helping us. Um, we can't, 
wait to schedule our own joy over here. We meaning me. <laughs> and um, I appreciate you so much, Bobby, where can everybody find you if they want a little bit more of you? Oh my gosh. Um, well, I hope to be better about <laughs> being on social. I'm on Instagram at Bobby Thomas. Um, I do have a Facebook page. I'm very embarrassed to say that I struggle to get to get on there this summer because I really dedicated those moments to Miles. But this fall, I'm really hoping to step back into a, a more regular social routine. So. Make your comeback. We're here for you. And for everybody listening, yeah. thank you so much. If you have more questions about the grief process, whether it be from the loss of a loved one or divorce, you know where to find me, info at momsmovingon.com. And I hope everybody just has a beautiful day. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Moms Moving On. I hope you found today's episode to be helpful, inspiring, and give you the advice you need to feel empowered and strong as you move on. Don't forget to come say hi on Instagram at the Michelle Dempsey and drop us a line if there's a specific topic or subject you'd like us to discuss. Thanks. Stay strong.